When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. College Football Live is presented by Dr. Pepper. Football Live with Stanford Steve and Sam Otto. I'm Wendy Nix, and it's hard to believe we start the second half of the season with another jam-packed week of college football. Let's take a look at some of the premier games, and we start with Syracuse and Clemson. The Orange are 6-0 for the first time since 1987. That's been a minute. They will take on the undefeated Clemson Tigers in a top 15 ACC matchup. Not to be outdone, we shift gears and move to the Pac-12. UCLA and Oregon meet in the top 10 for the first time in series history. The Bruins riding a nine-game win streak dating back to last year. That's the second longest active win streak in the country. Not to be outdone, another ranked matchup sees Mississippi State and Alabama clash. Both teams coming off an uncharacteristic loss. The Tide 14-1 against the Bulldogs under Nick Saban and the only loss coming in the first year. That was in 2007. And finally, Kansas State takes on TCU in the Big 12. The Horned Frogs also on an impressive win streak. They will look to become the second team in conference history to win four straight against ranked opponents. Certainly, though, all eyes will be on the quarterbacks in this one. So have him come in and play the way that he's been playing and to be the leader that he's been on this offense, man, I, can, I couldn't even say enough. Uh, how much of an impact he's had on this team. He does a nice job of, of not taking sacks, getting rid of the football. You know, just plays really smart football, and you can tell he's got a lot of confidence, and the guy had a confidence, and the guys believe in him, and, you know, they're operating very good as an offense. When you have seasoned veterans at quarterback like Max is and, and like Adrian, uh, it's just hoping those guys uh, are making a mistake and, and maybe missing a read because uh, uh, they're guys that are under control and understand their offense and, and are operating at a high level. Sam, let's talk some basic X's and O's, shall we? What should each team's respective strategy be to simply keep points off the board? And we'll start with TCU. Well, it's tough, Wendy, because this game is more than just about X's and O's, specifically when it comes to Max Duggan. Max Duggan is a bona fide leader. He's been through so much, and he plays like it on the field. If he needs to throw for 300 yards, he'll do it. If he needs to run for 300 or 100 like he did against Oklahoma, 
he'll do that as well. Max Duncan has battled through injury, battled through a heart condition in 2019, lost his starting spot at the beginning of the year, came back, and he's just a fighter. And so the tough part about defending him is that he plays, people say, with reckless abandon, but a better way to say it is that he plays fearlessly. That's part one. Part two, the other side of the ball, you go to Adrian Martinez. Adrian Martinez is not the passer that everyone expects, but he's a, a super efficient runner. He's averaging six yards per carry more than his entire career. We know how athletic he's been uh, offensively, but it's, 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 his, it's his confidence that stands out. Since that Oklahoma game, he's gotten more and more and more confident. You saw that third and 16 run. He ran for 47 yards, slid down and bounced. He, it's hard to defend him because even if you do a four-man rush, you have a spy on him, he'll just outrun you. And so the leadership level for Max Duggan, the confidence for Adrian Martinez, these are going to be two hard quarterbacks to slow down. Yeah, I agree, Sam. And the thing about Martinez is he hasn't turned the ball over. Yeah. He hasn't thrown one interception this year, and that's helped them, you know, when you think about the progress that Kansas State has made since he's come there. And when you look at this matchup, Kansas State has everything you want to go on the road and pull the upset. Let's start with the head coach, Chris Kleiman. Chris Kleiman is starting to really like playing top 10 teams. He's already beaten three of them in his time in Manhattan. You talked about Martinez, mobile quarterback, moving the chains on third down as he did against Oklahoma. And then Deuce Vaughn is a guy that could score from anywhere on the field. You give him the ball, he's electric, he can break tackles, he's got elite quickness. And when I look at this Kansas State defense, I think they could cause problems. They're tied for fifth now in the country and the turnover margin at plus eight. So Kleiman has everything he wants to go on the road and pull this off. Uh, how about this, guys? TCU scores touchdowns on almost 50% of their drives. Kansas State allowing <laughs> touchdowns on just 13% of theirs. So I'm no mathematician, but you do the math. Something's got to give in that one. Should be a fun one to watch. All right, to the Pac-12 because uh, there's plenty going on there as well. This weekend brings the third top 10 matchup in the Pac-12 over the last seven seasons, starting back in week five. Of 2016, number 10 Washington against number 7 Stanford. Jake Browning and the Huskies took down Christian McCaffrey. Remember him? And the Cards, it was 44-6. Later that year, Washington ranked fourth, taking on number 8 Colorado in the conference championship. Miles Gaskin tallied 159 yards on a way to crushing a 41-10 victory from Washington. And then that brings us to Saturday where the number 9 Bruins travel to take on number 10 Oregon. The odds suggest this will be more closely contested than in years past. The Ducks are favored by just six on Caesars Sportsbook. Now, the Ducks have had UCLA's number. We know that. Winning nine of the last ten and doing so by an average of almost two touchdowns per game. Now, a big reason why, the turnover margin, Oregon has forced over twice as many takeaways over that span. Steve, if the boys of Westwood are to change their fate, they must <laughs> do what? I think they got to rely on their defense a little bit more, and they got some game wreckers on that side of the ball now. Thanks to the transfer portal and Chip Kelly and his staff have done a great job. But I'll start with that guy right there. 15, Liatu Latu is a game wrecker. Uh, six and a half sacks on the year, but a total difference maker for this defense. And when I think about guys like Darius Muasau and John John Vaughns, those guys are complete players. And when you look at UCLA off of a bye, I know Oregon's on a bye also, but UCLA has to get more out of their defense. Good defenses travel. We're going to see what UCLA has on the defensive side of the ball here in Eugene Saturday.
Well, speaking of the Bruins, it's no surprise, as is often the case. The focus will be on the quarterback. As he goes, so go the Bruins. <laughs> He's a smart quarterback, a little chippy. Um, we'll, you know, we'll we'll get in your face, and and you know, we think we can we can confuse him, and we can you know give him different looks to slow him down. He's a great player. He can make uh, plays all around the field. Either it's passing the ball or with his legs, and we've seen that throughout the six games that we played so far. His coaching staff puts him in good situations to be a playmaker, and he just goes out there and does well. And so it's just important for a guy like Dorian that you just get him to the ground and tackle him when you have a chance. We're going to need DTR, you know, to have the best game of his season. Sam, what's been the difference with DTR in this offense this season? Plays just like the one you saw, Wendy. I mean, he, he makes big-time plays in big-time <laughs> moments. And mind you, he's doing it at a higher rate. You saw that touchdown he just ran in, made two guys run into each other. That's what DTR has been doing. Now, last season, he threw for 21 touchdowns, which is respectable. This year, only halfway through, he's already thrown for 15. Watch this. Like, who does this? And so, he's playing with so much more <laughs> swagger and confidence. And it comes because, yes, a, another year in the system. But also it comes because he has that running back next to him, Zach Charbonnet, who helps uh, alleviate his ability to have to pass the ball all the time. It's so great decision-making. He's confident. And as he continues to make plays, his confidence grows throughout the game. Yeah, I just look at the lack of turnover, Sam. You know, that, that's where you, where you look at the change. And yeah. most of the time, and when an offense is improving, they're not giving the other team the ball. And when I think about this matchup, I think about how UCLA turned that game around against Utah a couple weeks ago with a pick in the red zone, and then they get their offense rolling. So turnovers are crucial, and DTR has been awesome not giving the other team the ball. Listen, guys, since arriving at UCLA in 2018, Chip Kelly 0-3 against Oregon. But keep in mind, the last two losses, three points or less. I can tell you one thing. I don't care what he says. Mm -hmm. He'd like to beat that team. There's no question about that. <laughs> All right. I love this story only in part because I absolutely love Chick-fil-A. But I'm going to tell you why Bo Nix might be the most popular man in all of Eugene and not just for football. This was a few weeks ago. The starting QB said the number one thing he missed about Auburn was Chick-fil-A. Well, guess what? There's no one, uh, no Chick-fil-A anywhere close to campus. We don't know how he did it, but nevertheless, he got a Chick-fil-A food truck to come on campus. And if you don't think that endeared him to his teammates, well, you're wrong. What can't the kid do? All right, speaking of Eugene, live. College game day. Reese and the fellows will be there. You can see them kick off the show Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern. Ahead on College Football Live, that is a whole lot of orange. Syracuse heads to Death Valley looking to tame the Tigers, a top 15 matchup featuring two undefeated teams. Plus, Heather Dinich checks in from the college football playoff expansion meetings in Dallas. Will we see an expanded playoff in 2024? A roadmap to expansion coming up. College Football Live is presented by Delicious Ice Cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Welcome to college football prime time. Omaha's got good meat over oh, yeah. there. Good for Jesus, let it fly. First take has been the number one show in the morning for 11 straight years and counting. Woo! You see a quarterback wearing that kind of face mask, he probably did Take a picture of the screen. We will be back with another megacast on ESPN2. Looking forward to it as we take a look at our Dr. Pepper Championship Drive Game of the Week. Syracuse defense, the best in the conference in opponent points and yards per game, while posting the second-best opposing QBR. However, Clemson's offense much improved. DJU playing well, scoring nearly 40 points a game as the quarterback nearly doubled his passing touchdowns numbers from last season already. We always have a target on our back. We're going to get everybody's best. We're going to get everybody's A game. Or that game that's circled every time the schedule comes out. And so that just comes with being at Clemson. 37 teams have went down there. 37 teams have tried and 37 teams have not been successful. Coaches, staffs, and everything else. There's a reason why they call it Death Valley. It's a hard place to win at. Now that being said, I always like the movie Dumb and Dumber. So you're telling me we got a chance. So you're saying there's a chance, Sam Macho. I like that spirit. Listen, he's not wrong. Death Valley is a tough place to play. This is a tough team to play against. Can Syracuse run the ball against Clemson, which I think will be necessary? Well, it absolutely will be necessary, and time will tell. I mean, Syracuse, what they do really, really well, they run this play called, like, the stretch play. It's almost like a zone to one way, and then Sean Tucker, their outstanding running back, cuts the ball downfield. But the thing that stops that play is a penetrating defense. That's what Clemson does really, really, really well. And so if you go and watch the tape that we're about to play, you're going to see what Sean Tucker does well. You're going to see this offensive line. You're going to see all the people in NC State inside. Sean Tucker has a couple different places he can cut this ball back. He uses his vision, sees two guys outside, he cuts it inside. Vision again, looks inside, makes a cut, and gets back outside. This is what Sean Tucker does well in this offense. Yes, he runs for the Syracuse track team as well, so he's got speed. Same thing. This is the last play of the game, last his last rush of the game. Same thing. We'll see a stretch. But this is going to be a designed cutback, and Garrett Schrader, the quarterback, is going to get not one but two blocks. But it works because Sean Tucker not only has the speed and elusiveness, but because the offensive line could create gaps and create holes. Here's the issue. Clemson is a top 35 defense. Syracuse hasn't played a top 35 defense yet, and they get penetration. The one thing that stops stretch plays, zone plays, it's penetration. So I don't believe, to answer your question, my dissertation, I don't believe that Syracuse will be able to run on Clemson. Uh, It's just, I think Clemson is just a better defense. Look, uh, we handed out midseason report cards, so you can give a dissertation, Sam, <laughs> at the midway point. We'll allow it at this time. Listen, Steve, Clemson cannot look past Syracuse. Listen, they know, they know that. They, there's history there. But do the Tigers, in your opinion, have the easiest path to playoff? Because they're thinking long term. Yeah, I do. Wendy, when you look at the schedule, four home games left, starting with Syracuse, a trip to Notre Dame. That doesn't look as daunting after last week at Stanford going there and winning. And then you got Louisville, Miami, South Carolina. And if the season ended today, they would play the winner of North Carolina and Georgia Tech in the ACC title game. I think this road is, is there. They have their defense back. I think the offense has been fine and scored 30 in every game plus. So I think both sides of the ball are going to ascend. 
We're going to see Dabo start doing some more interviews, maybe politicking for his team to make sure <laughs> they are in as an undefeated team. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think little old Clemson is going to be fine when the playoff comes around. And Dabo shouldn't need to politic for his team. You talked about it. They're undefeated now, but they're playing better on both sides of the ball. And so I think Clemson can and will win out. And I think if they do, they will be in that conversation for the top four playoff teams. How about this? Clemson uh, has a 37 home game winning streak. Syracuse hopes to snap that. But, fellas, that's a lot of games. They have not lost in Death Valley in 37 <laughs> games. But all good things come to an end. Not sure it'll be this weekend, but you never know. Saturday on ABC and the ESPN app, a tremendous triple header. Uh, the ACC matchup, of course, that we just talked about, Syracuse and Clemson. Then number 20, Texas, facing number 11, Oklahoma State in the Big 12. And our Saturday night primetime game, number 16, Penn State, looking to bounce back against 4-2, and two, Minnesota. Meanwhile, off the field, college football playoff expansion may finally be nearing a conclusion. Commissioners are in Dallas today to meet again and continue to work to see how feasible it is to expand the current 14 playoff format, perhaps as early as 2024. And ESPN College Football reporter Heather Denich is covering those meetings. And Heather, obviously a lot of discussions, a lot of red tape, a lot of hurdles. Uh, what are the biggest challenges to expanding sooner rather than later? Wendy, number one is figuring out the academic calendar because there are going to be first round games played on campus in December. So they're trying to work that around December commencement final exams, things that we tend to forget about when we're watching college football games, but there's also the issue of the NFL schedule, competing against NFL playoffs. You don't want to do that. So the calendar is the first priority, but beyond that, figuring out how the New Year's Six Bowls figure into the rotation, including particularly the Rose Bowl, because remember, those quarterfinals, semifinals, and then the national championship game are all going to continue to be a part of that New Year's Six Bowl rotation. But as the SEC and the Big Ten get bigger and badder, revenue distribution is also at the heart of the conversation. If you have more teams in, you better believe some of those commissioners will at some point be asking for some more money. So those are the obstacles that they're trying to work out, along with a lot of other logistics. Those first-round games, Wendy, uh, people have told me this isn't like hosting an NCAA baseball tournament or a women's hoops tournament. There are a lot more logistics in terms of ticket allocations and things that have to be done to host a college football playoff game on your campus. I'm not going to lie. I'm glad it's not me because all that makes my head spin. Although I did understand the money part. That resonates loud and clear. Heather, listen, today, though, obviously, as I mentioned, the commissioners are there, as are you. What could potentially come out of these meetings today? Well, there are a couple of scenarios, Wendy, and one is they could come out and say, hey, we figured this out. We're going to do this thing in 2024. Or they could come out and say 2024 is off the table. We're still trying for 2025. And then, of course, the least popular one that anyone, including the people in that room, want to hear is we have to continue meeting and talking about it. And it's quite possible it could be another nothing burger as far as these meetings go. But look, nobody knows what happens when they walk in that room because there are egos, there's politics that goes on. Uh, but I know college football fans are, are certainly waiting for this to get done sooner than later. And so are they. 
Yeah, no, no kidding. No more meetings. Can we start the campaign? But, you know, it takes a lot. There's a lot to work out. Heather, thank you. Uh, we know you'll keep us up to date every step of the way. Uh, still to come, guess what? We're not done. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's likely Alabama isn't either. The Tide trying not to lose. Consecutive regular season games for the first time since 07. Mississippi State is on deck. You're watching College Football Live. Presented by... Dr. Pepper. College Football Live is presented by delicious ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Time for our Weekend Wake Up, brought to you by Wendy's Breakfast. You have to tip your cap to Tennessee, but Alabama did not look like a typical Tide team when it lost on Rocky Top last weekend. 17 penalties played Nick Saban's squad, and the head coach said his team was tight. He looks to correct both Saturday against SEC West rival Mississippi State, who, by the way, is also coming off a loss. Steve? Yeah, I'm going to look, stay in the SEC, Wendy, and look at LSU hosting Ole Miss. This place has been a nightmare for Ole Miss. They've lost nine of their last ten, and it has to do with those crazy people down in Baton Rouge that I love. But this is a different Ole Miss team. Can they run the ball on the road? They've been dic you know, dictating tempo, doing things successfully in the run game. Can they do it? I think it's a lot easier said than done for Ole Miss when they go to Baton Rouge Saturday. And I'm excited about I'm excited about the Texas versus Oklahoma State game. So Texas is 0-4 in their last four true road games. And so Oklahoma State is a hard place to play. Oklahoma State offensively, we know how, how much of a powerhouse they are offensively. Question mark is, will Spencer Sanders, their all-star quarterback, will he play? If he does, Texas will need to step up on defense. That's been the calling card for this team. Yes, Quinn Ewers is back healthy. But their defense, their special team, so many pump blocks, Pump returns. That needs to be the difference in this game if Texas is going to find a way to win. Wait a minute. Sam Acho excited about Texas? <laughs> I don't know. I've seen that movie before. Uh, I'm going to give you this one, though, Sam. That's fair enough. Listen, uh, we got a few minutes. So let me ask you this. We got nine undefeated teams remaining, seven play this weekend. When we sit here this time next week, Sam, how many will remain unbeaten? I think out of those nine, I think we'll be at eight. I think Syracuse will be the team that loses. I think Clemson is too powerful of a team offensively and defensively. So I think it's going to be one less undefeated team after this week. I think it's seven. I think Ole Miss is on upset alert. Uh, going to Baton Rouge, I just talked about how much they've struggled there. I think we're at seven undefeated teams uh, at the end of week eight. All right, guys, I mentioned this earlier, but we're at the halfway point. So we handed out our midseason report card. Sam, if you had to give any team an A, and don't, don't, pick, don't pick the low-hanging fruit, okay? <laughs> Think about this for just a second. Who, who you got? Well, I'll give two teams an A. Number one, I'll give TCU an A. The way they won last week, they were down late. They found a way to beat Oklahoma State. Number two, Michigan, because of how they pounced, pounced, Ooh. pounced on Penn State. All right, I got Tennessee. Steve, what you got? UCLA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a big weekend, everybody. Enjoy it. College Football Live back tomorrow. We'll see you then.